Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let us pray. And pray with me. Pray in your heart. Lord, would You open our hearts to Your Word, what it is You would like to say to us today. Lord, we know that You can impress on our soul. And so we pray that You would today by Your your Holy Spirit. Do that for me. Do that for these gathered. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As you know, I just got back from youth camp. I'm there one afternoon eating supper. And there's a little preteen. I call them precogs, just like in uh, Minority Report. Um, I probably call him the precogs, but uh, he he gets a couple peas on his spoon, and it's, you know it's these plastic spoons that are bendable. Bends it back and is ready to roll, and he's waiting for the opportunity. And and uh, me and me and Randy Sawyer, who he's the evangelist there, I said, hey, check him out. And he said, son, that's all he said to him. And the guy he goes smoothly, you know, just. One, one, one smooth motion from bending the fore back to the mouth and eating. Just, oh, nothing was going on. What, what happened, you know? It's interesting that when we are watched, we want to be good. <laughs> I mean, it's something common to all humans. It's why even when people do things bad, such as rob a place, one of the first things they do is cover their face. They don't like to be watched. They go into places that don't have cameras. They sneak around in the dark. We, when we're watched, like to be good. There's something about being watched that makes us a little uncomfortable. Same thing happened to me in church many years ago when I was a young lad or a wee lad, as they say in Northern Ireland. There I am. I'm having a good time in church while... Uh, the singing's going on, you know. Singing's not for me, so there you go. That's my attitude. And so I'm kind of cutting up with my buddy next to me, and we're laughing about something, and all of a sudden I get this feeling that I'm being watched. I can almost feel his eyes penetrating all the way across the you know, congregation to me. And so I'm kind of laughing. I stop laughing, and I just kind of creak my eyes up a little bit, and sure enough, he's deadlocked on me like an eagle watching me. And of course I straighten up. That's all I needed. For I knew that I'd already gotten myself way far beyond what I needed to and I was going to have to pay the punishment later. 
when you're being watched, you want to be good. <laughs> Think about it at work. That's why we have managers. We've got to be watching people. Because if you don't watch people, they send, seem to act up. What's the old saying? When the cat's away, the mice will play. Seems to be true. The writer of Hebrews, who is unknown to us, by the way, don't know who he is. He doesn't identify himself in his in his book here. Very fascinating book. He's a preacher, though. This essentially is a long sermon, or maybe a series of sermons that we have in the New Testament. It's a fascinating book. It's unlike any other New Testament epistle, uh, quite frankly. Notice where he begins here in chapter twelve by saying. Therefore, which as you know as good Bible interpreters, therefore connects us back to something He's already said. So you have to immediately go back to the last chapter, which is chapter 11, which we know as the faith chapter. Uh, Not the hall of fame, but instead the hall of faith. Begins in verse 1, Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, by what faith? And then he goes through a list. Starting all the way back with Abel. Going to Enoch. Going to Noah. Going to Abraham. To Moses. Joseph. All the greats. All the superheroes of the faith, so to speak. (laughs) And he goes through this whole list. And then he comes down and says in verse 39, And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us. That's you. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Who are these witnesses? They're the saints. They're the saints of God. Now, that term saints, when... It's not referring to the New Orleans saints. Who that? But instead, the term actually is holy ones. That's literally what it means, is holy ones. And Paul will begin almost every single epistle by calling that church to the holy ones, to the saints at Corinth, to the saints of Ephesus. Now that's significant because, man, when you read Corinthians, you're thinking, these cats don't look like saints. They don't look like holy ones. I mean, when they took communion, they're sitting here breaking in line to get up to the front to eat an entire meal only to leave the ones in the back with nothing to eat. Taking so much of the wine that they get drunk. Now, have you ever been to a communion service like that? That's pretty rough. And yet he calls and addresses them as saints. It's fascinating. It really is. This cloud of witnesses. First thing here is this. You're being watched. You are being watched. I am being watched. <laughs> you always seem to have that feeling, you know, when you're by yourself, maybe out in the wood, you know, man, you, you all of a sudden get this they're watching me. Well, the reality is you really are being watched. Now, some people have interpreted this with these witnesses to be saints. Other people have interpreted uh, this to mean that the church is watching you. People in the church are watching you. And boy, with church splits in the Protestant 
sector, uh, they really are watching you, waiting. It seems like waiting. Some of them are waiting for you to fail. But also, you know who else is watching you? The world is watching you. You don't believe that? Look at Tim Tebow. The world watches on him. Look at the, the uh, what's the guy's name that y'all, you guys went to see? Yeah, the guy from uh, Duck Dynasty. The world's watching him. When you mention Jesus, people are going to locate their eyes on you, watching you. At work, if you proclaim the name of Christ, they're going to be watching you. Now you may say, man, they're waiting for me to fail. Maybe. But I think deep down inside, they want to see you succeed. They need to see you succeed. The world needs that kind of faithfulness. It's why chapter 11 is such a great example chapter. Often I find myself turning to it. I mean, just think of the people listed there. You say, well, I'm not much of a saint. I'm not, you know, that's just for the elite. And I think Paul would immediately correct us and say, no, it's not. Everyone is called to be a holy person. Without holiness, you can't see God. That's what the Scripture says. And we say, oh, hang on, you don't know my... You don't know what I deal with. You don't know my past. Go back to these characters here. Think of Noah, who got drunk. And his son abused him in some way. Think of Moses who murdered someone and hid them in the sand. I don't know your past. I'm assuming most of you hadn't murdered someone. But even if you have, look what God can do with a murderer. <laughs> look at what God can do with somebody who can't speak right, stumbles in their speech, stutters, not a good public speaker. <laughs> That's Moses. Think of Abraham, who lied. Lied about his wife. Lied to the Pharaoh of the town. And he took her. I, wouldn't, I know Jessica wouldn't be real happy about that. No, no, this is my sister here. Now Sarah and Jessica had some things in common. They were both hot. That's what the Scripture says. It says she was a good-looking woman. And he lies. Look what God can do with a liar. Abraham. Look at David. A man after God's own heart, it says. And yet, he committed adultery. That's one, you know, that's... A, among the big sins, that's, that's one of the big That's like murder. That's a big one. That's a big one. Andy murdered. Andy lied. For a whole year he lived a lie. David. And yet look what God was able to do with him. You're not alone in this. These superheroes of the faith... Their main attribute, as we'll come to see, is faithfulness. Staying faithful. Even when they fall down, it's not the end. Look at Amos, who we just read today. He's just a farmer. God, <laughs> the king says, 
Get out of my courts. Sitting here prophesying all this negative stuff. Who do you think you are? He's all, I'm just a farmer. I tend to sheep and look over sycamore trees. But I'm called on by God to speak to you. <laughs> Remaining faithful. Too many times in the church, we mask ourselves rather than confess. It's interesting to me. Sinners are more apt to confess their sins, be honest with you, I'm, not, I'm no good. There's no good in me. I'm a sinner. I know that for a fact. But in the church, after Jesus saves us, and then we fail Him, we like to mask things. The remedy is always confession and repentance. Confess your sins one to another so that you might be healed. Repent and turn to God. <clears throat> For truly there is no hiding, really, if we're honest. We're laid open. And the fact of the matter is, and I hate this as much as you do, we're more transparent than what we think. We really are. We like to think, oh, well, nobody notices that about me. Yeah. Most people do. <laughs> it's true. I, I, like I said, I hate it just as much as you do, but we are more transparent than what we think we are. If you don't believe that, get married. You become real transparent when someone's living with you. Family. It's why so many families have so much trouble is we really know each other. And when you really know each other, it's tough to love. And yet we're called to love our mate, our family, even our enemies, and those who despitefully use us. You see, the stadium's full. Their eyes are on you. These saints of God that He mentions in chapter 11, they're rooting us on. Just imagine that picture. You see, the reality is, we're in a race. We're not in the stands yet. We haven't gone to the stands to sit down and, and watch the other people. One day we will. But until that day, we run. We push forward. And we have these saints, these ones who have gone before, who are literally, as he says here, cheering us on as a cloud of witnesses. Not only are we being watched, but he says, hey... Lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Two things, let us lay aside and let us run. Now, I know you know this, but with the Olympics, I guess in swing now, I think, right? Okay, there you go, right on top of us here. Well, the Olympics were started a long time ago. And they were going on during the time of Paul. And the way they did the Olympics, when you ran, you didn't run with anything on. They had nude Olympics. Now you know that. Don't act like the precogs and you know <laughs> think that's some kind of revelation. 
they did all their sports naked. Why? Because when you are like that, there is nothing to hinder you. It's why most uh, swimmers in the water, they shave all the hair off their body. Why? Because there's no resistance. They wear that little cap that essentially makes them bald. Right? And they can cruise through the water with no hindrance. No resistance. Don't you find resistance in your life? You know what? You really only find resistance when you start running. When you actually start the journey of faith with Jesus Christ. You don't even realize there's any resistance because there's not. When you're not following Him, you're just sitting there. But on this journey, on this amazing race as I'm calling it, you're going to find resistance. Great resistance. Some things are going to seem insurmountable. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. Reminds me of, uh, oh, the places you'll go. On you will go to the hack and crack towel. On through many uh, frightening streets. So on and so forth. On you will go though. Which is the same thing for us. These guys were faithful. It wasn't because, They weren't defined by their failures. Now you can let your failures define you. That can happen in someone's life. You've seen it happen in people's lives. Something tragic happens and they let that event define them. They let those people define them. Which is the point of forgiveness, isn't it? I'm not going to let those people define me. Jesus defines me. God defines me, not circumstances. We have to lay aside anything that is going to hinder us in this race. I mean, a runner... Now, I'm not a runner, okay? I've done it before, but I'm not a runner. I don't put myself in that category. But you don't start running and then pick up a 10-pound weight if you're wanting to get to the finish line. That's not the way you do it. You don't pick up stuff as you go. You release stuff. You drink your water faster so you don't... I mean, I've been backpacking before, and man, I cannot wait to work my way through that 10 pounds of water. I mean, that's 10 pounds. I can't wait to eat up my food. That's another 5 pounds. You're going to have to lay some things aside. Anything that weighs us down, anything that would throw us off balance. That's the real danger. Things throw you off balance. Make it tough. You know, now I am getting into mountain biking. I love it. Man, some of those some of those trees on that path, I mean, they're just wide enough that your handlebars get through. So if you know, if you are unbalanced on that point, you're about to smack dab into a tree and it ain't gonna feel good, that tree's not gonna move. Balance in our life. We must balance all these days. And I look, I know you have a lot going on. We all have a lot going on, don't we? And sometimes it's really tough to balance life, isn't it? Sometimes work seems more important. Kids. And you know, Satan's plan against you is going to be to get you off of the true things that you need to be balanced with. I've seen marriages crumble because they were too focused on the children. You didn't become one with your children. You became one with your mate. 
That's important for us to understand. Your kids are watching you. They're watching you. And they're watching your marriage. And when that breaks apart, that breaks them apart. They need you to stay together. They're really in their heart rooting you on. And you need to show them that you love your mate, your spouse. They need to see that. They need to know that. Don't become too focused on one thing to the detriment of the others. I've seen people leave God because they fell in love with somebody. And their love for God grew cold. You say, oh, love is always a good thing. Well, not when it's not balanced. Balance. Only Jesus can help you balance. (laughs) And it's amazing how He can help us do that. We must not carry the weight of sin in this race. It's time to lay it down. Some of you need to lay some things down even today. Some things you know are weighing you down. Not letting you be the father you need to be to your children. The husband. The wife that you need to be to your spouse. The worker that you need to be. The friend that you know you're called to be. You need to lay it down. Don't be hindered. And then not only let us lay aside, but let us run. Remember that you're in a race. And you're not alone. We're in this thing together. The prize, the goal, is none other than Jesus Christ. Isn't that what He says here? Looking unto who? Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You see, He's already trod the trail. He's already gone down that road. He's already, you know, if you've ever been down a, a new trail uh, in the woods, I don't know how many of you spent much time in the woods, if you've ever been down the new trail, and you're the first one, say you're four-wheeler riding or something, you clear the path. That's what your job is. In other words, when you come across something that's impassable, you hey, whoa, whoa, stop, guys. And you clear the path in ways you don't even see. One of the most common things that I've ever run into when I was a pioneer was spider webs. They're everywhere. And you just, you're like, oh man, you know. Well, you cleared the way. You know what? Jesus cleared the way for us. The way is straight. The way is narrow, but it's straight. And He's already gone down it. And so are all the ones who are around us cheering us on. Go, go, go. Pappy who just died this year. I was thinking about when we sang the Blood of Jesus song earlier. He's cheering me on. What a thought that is. What a legacy to follow in. A life given over to Jesus Christ. You see, that's what he's appealing here, this pastor, this preacher in Hebrews. He's saying, yeah, we have a lot in Christ that you should be running for, but not only that, We have a legacy. Someone shared the faith with you. And now it's time for you to step up to the plate. It's your time. They're cheering you on now. There are no sidelines in this race. For us that are still here, we're we're on the journey. There's no way out. Again, you know, you go back to... uh, Lord of the Rings, or maybe any movie that's epic, 
What makes it epic? That there's great turmoil. There's a great battle. Good and evil. There's a journey. There are choices to be made. And you know what? Nobody ever remembers the guy who gave up. (laughs) They're not praised. There's not been one culture in the history of our world that has awarded cowardice. There's no coward, you know, uh, I guess a, a dog with his tail stuck under him. Symbol that they give out in the military. In any military. In world history. No one appreciates running away from a battle and quitting. Churchill, who you may remember... Winston Churchill goes to a university and he's supposed to give the uh, commencement speech to sum up that year for them. He goes and stands and he says this, and I quote, Never, ever, 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 ever give up. Never give up. Never give up. Never give up. And he sits down. That's what I'm saying to you today. Never give up. You're in a race. It's a race, as he tells us, that is a race of endurance. Not of speed. Not of strength. But of endurance. Never give up. I'm cheering you on. As your pastor as your friend, as your brother in the faith, I'm cheering you on when I pray for you each week, when I think of you and what's going on in your life. I'm cheering you on. But I'm not alone. It's not just all of them. They're cheering you on. If we could just pull back the curtain, there's a whole host, a whole stadium that is cheering you on. And it's a larger stadium than what they have down there in Tuscaloosa. I mean, this thing's big. They're getting loud up there. And when you do what's right, they're cheering you on. I remember when I was a youngster, when I was playing baseball, I was maybe seven. And I was a catcher. And man, it gets hot back there. I don't know if you guys ever put on all that equipment and stuff, but it gets hot back there, especially in the South. I'm sitting there catching the whole game. It's a championship game. And the last out, we needed one more out to win. And I'll never forget this. And I forget a lot, by the way. <laughs> um, guy pops it up. Pop, right up in the air. To me, in foul territory. So I'll run over there. And you know, the catcher's glove is a disaster as far as fielding. I mean... You know, as far as fielding the ball, it is a disaster. It has these huge pads that, you know, if you don't drop it right in there, it's going to bounce off, uh, you know, like a bouncy ball. I look up. I'm trying to find it. You know, that's hard enough. And I catch it. And, I mean, right when I catch it, that was the third out. Game's over. My dad comes running out. The whole team comes running out. Some of the fans, and, I mean, they pick me up, and I never, he just, like, spun me. It was like a movie. Swim me around the edges. Everybody was cheering. I was like, man, this is awesome. I still have the ball from it. From that moment. 
Listen guys, they're cheering us on like that. He wants to come and grab us in His arms. And when it's over, when the game is finally said and done, no matter how dirty you are or sweaty or what kind of errors you made in the field previously, what matters is when the third out is called of the game, when your game is over, that He comes running out and says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy, real joy of heaven which is being with me. I mean, what an amazing, amazing thought that is. We're still in the storm now. It's kind of like what uh, Tolkien said as I began to read Return of the King as I'm starting that one. I know some of you are sighing and wanting me to finish the book already, but I'm a slow reader. What can I say? He says, The board is set... And the pieces are moving. That's what we're in right now. The board is set. Your life is set. Satan and his plan is set against you. The opposition is moving. It's your turn. The ball's in your court. Are you going to pick it up? When you fall down, are you going to get back up? Never give up. Look to Jesus. You know, we live around a bunch of crop fields and those lines are real straight. And you wonder, how do they do that? Because they look to the other end. They don't look right in front of them. You look right in front, even when you're cutting your grass. If you look right in front of you, you're going to sway. If you look, if you set your eye on something out there and you just focus on it and drive straight toward it, that row will be straighter than what you ever could have done if you looked five feet in front of you. Some of you need to turn your eyes toward heaven. Toward Jesus. Don't be looking at the circumstances. Look, I know circumstances can be scary. Most of my life has been financially scary. But that's alright because I don't define my life by my finances. That's a freeing thing. I just assume God will take care of it. (laughs) I'll work hard, do my best to make all that I can, and I just leave the rest up to Him. I look to Jesus. Look to Je- No matter what it is, don't look at the circumstance. Remember Peter? He gets out of the boat, starts walking, and then he starts looking at the waves. He's actually walking on what? But then he said, whoa, whoa, uh, hang on. And he starts sinking. Don't look at the waves. Keep your eyes set on Jesus. He's the pioneer, the beginner, and the perfecter, the ender. I know that's not proper. Of our faith. He's the beginning and the end. <laughs> this is, you're in His story. You're His character. Submit to Him. Notice what He says. Consider Jesus who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself so that you may not grow faint-hearted. Guys, listen. I, just, I want to encourage you today. I want, to be an, I want this to be an encouraging word. You can do this. I'm cheering you on. Jesus is cheering you on. The saints, those who have gone before, are cheering you on. They want you to see, they want to see you succeed. They want to see that. They're not out to get you, they're cheering you on. It's a great cloud out there. That's where we're headed. I'm cheering you on today. I'm praying for you. 
I'm rooting for you. I'm not against you. I'm for you. Most importantly, He is. And all of us are looking to that one goal. That one prize. The one we always talk about in here. The one we pray to. The one we lay our life on. The one that we teach our children to love. One day, we'll see Him face to face. One day, He'll bust out on the field to get us and wrap us in His arms and twirl us around in great victory. Suffering is temporary, but victory is forever. Push on to that great victory. Make your story an epic one. Because it is. Don't worry about the past. Push forward and never give up. Amen. Let's stand and take some time to respond to God. I view this part of our service as the most important. I'll ask Rachel if she'll come and lead us in a song. But for you, the altar's open and the way is open. I want you to take this time to pray. Do you need to lay something aside?